You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Hey, Cornelia, what's going on? For those who don't know me, my name is TJ Tamayo. I've been married for 14 years to my wife, Katrina. Together, her and I have two boys, Chaz, who is 12, and Trip, who is 9. Uh, we live and serve in Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan is a small island uh, for a little bit of comparison. If you were to drive from Los Angeles to San Francisco, that's about how long it takes to drive from northern Taiwan uh, to southern Taiwan. Uh, it's a hot, humid place. It's home to about 23 million people. And uh, we've been here for almost two years, uh, but collectively we've been serving in Asia for five years. Uh, I'm so excited to be here this morning. I'm so grateful that I get to share the, the message. I'm actually a sentimental guy. Uh, when I was a kid, I was uh, the kid who went on the hikes. And every time I was on a hike, I would, I would pick up a rock. I would take it home. I would get a Sharpie and I would, I would write the date on it and who I was with. Or I would get a glass bottle. I would take it to the, to the ocean and, and I would get some sand and I would pick up the sand and I would put it in the bottle and write the date on it. Or I would wake up early and I would walk the beach and, and I would pick up the, 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 the sand dollar and I would take it home. And just like the other, I, was, I, would, I would write the things on the, the, the date on the back. Why? Because I'm a sentimental person. So me being able to share is an opportunity that I didn't want to miss because koinonia means so much to myself and, and to my family. Uh, you guys have been supporting us from the very beginning of our journey, and you guys are still doing it today. So we just want to say thank you so much uh, for believing in us, for investing in us, and for partnering with us to show the gospel in a place that so desperately needs it. Uh, last week, Pastor Chad started the series, The Kingdom Seed, and today I get to piggyback of what he, uh, he started last week. Uh, he covered the parable of the sower, and he shared that the sower is Jesus. Uh, he shared that the seed is the gospel, and he shared that the field is all the people on the earth. Today, I get to talk to you about a seed and the process that a seed goes through in order for it to get from the seed to where it actually bears fruit. Uh, I don't know why I get to talk about seeds. Truth is, uh, I want to be a plant guy. I, I purchase plants. I set them up real nice. I put them in the house. I put them in sunlight and and for some reason, I can just never take care of the plants. Either I water them too much and they just fall lamp over and, and, and they die, or, or I don't water them enough and they die. Uh, to be completely honest with you, we have a flower pot in our house right now, and there's just three sticks sticking out of it. Why? Because I'm terrible with plants. But regardless of how I am with plants, I do believe that God has put a message inside of me this morning. It's been brewing up for the, for the past couple weeks, and, and I'm grateful to share this because I believe that God has something in it for you. I believe that God has in, something in it for, for whether you're watching online or whether you're doing church on the, the lawn. And So what I would like to do is just open up in prayer. And so dear Heavenly Father, I come before you, God. I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for this message. God, I thank you for what uh, Chad shared last week and and, and the beginning of the series on the kingdom seed, God. We thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, I pray that you be with me as I communicate uh, what you've put in my heart. Uh, and I pray that you use it to encourage, inspire, uh, and, and motivate people to follow you, God. We love you so much, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The life of a tree begins with the seed. The seed is protected by an outer covering called the seed coat. Inside the seed contains a, a thin thing called an embryo. 
the seed is sitting dormant and he's waiting for all the nutrients to line up. And when they all get together and, and, and they work together, the seed then begins to grow. Uh, those nutrients are moisture, warmth, rich soil, sunlight, and of course it has to be a, a good seed. The seed then absorbs the water and then it begins to grow. The roots go down and the stem goes up. And at this point of germination, uh, there's this discussion. It's not like a, a crazy debate, but it's just a discussion of, amongst people who study these things. And where is the seed, is, is, it, is it alive or is it dead? Is it sitting dormant? And then it, when it starts to sprout, then the seed coat just falls off. Uh, what is it, alive or dead? And the truth is, it doesn't matter what, what, what you, you side on, what, what opinion is yours, because it's just a discussion. It's, it's not really what matters. What matters is if the seed is actually good, and what matters is if all the nutrients come together and that it grows up to bear fruit. But then there's the kingdom seed. And the kingdom seed is similar, but it's different. The seed is sown. All the right nutrients have to be there, good soil, moisture, etc. But the kingdom seed requires death. There's no debate here. If you want the seed to grow up and be fruitful, this seed has to die. Okay, John 12, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Romans 14, verse 9 says, For, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. We all know it, and we've all been affected by it. We all know it's, it's challenging when it happens, but death is a sobering thing. It affects all of us, and death takes time to creep. It's a process. In fact, there are stages that people go through of grieving when death happens. Some of those stages are anger, anxiety, depression, fatigue, loneliness, guilt, pain, sadness, uh, crying spells and trouble sleeping. It takes time to process death. And these are some of the stages that we go through emotionally when uh, we experience death, when somebody that we love passes on. Um, and uh, it takes time to process. The reality of death is, is that it's a, it's a scary thing and uh, it's a sobering thing and it, it affects us all. Um, one weird thing about death is that death is also involved in other things. Um, there's friendships that die out. There's passion that dies out. Uh, there is death of habits. All these things, just like when we're grieving death, when, when we know somebody who dies, when, when this type of death happens to us, the friendships die out, the, the death of the habits and, and the passion that dies, those things also uh, uh, take stages and, and time for us to process it's the same stages, it's anger, anxiety, it's depression, fatigue, guilt, loneliness, sadness, and, and trouble sleeping. But then there is something different in it. It's a biblical term and it's called dying to yourself. It's self-denying. Dying to self is part of being born again. The old self dies and the new self comes to life. Not only are Christians born again when we come into salvation, but we continue dying to ourselves as a part of the process of sanctification. Now, if you're watching online or you're at Koinonia on the lawn and, and you're new to church and you're like, what is that word sanctification? What, what does that mean? 
Um, the, 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 the term process of sanctification just means the, the, the process of becoming holy. You see, Jesus called us to be holy as he is holy. And so if we want to become holy, if we want to be the things that God has called us to be, then we need to understand that dying to ourselves is a part of the process of becoming holy. It's living a lifestyle of repentance, and it's one of the hardest things to do. Inside of us, there's conflict. There's this war zone. There's this war zone internally going on inside of us, and, and, and it's, it's two kingdoms competing. And when that happens, and when we have to give up things that we don't want to give up, we are going to experience the grief. Dying to yourself is a constant battle, and that's why Scripture calls us to daily take up our cross. Uh, four things I want to go over with you when it comes to uh, dying to yourself and self-denial, things that we need to use in this war zone, things that we need to be prepared for in this battle, and things that we actually need to learn how to apply to our lives if we want to be victorious in Christ when it comes to self-denial. Uh, we have to be ready to fight for the gospel to take root in our lives. Okay? In order for a seed to sprout, it has to be rooted in order for a seed to sprout, it has to go through this process. The, the root has to take place if the, if, the, if the tree wants to bear fruit in the future. The second thing is that we have to be prepared to go to war with yourself. The third thing is we have to be committed to being honest with the battle that is going on in your heart. What's going on inside of you? What are the things that you, you're, you're in denial of? What are the things you know that are holding you back that you don't want to talk about? What are the things that, the secret things that you don't want nobody to know about you because you're ashamed, uh, because you're, you're feeling uh, guilt, because you're doing all these things? Man, we need to learn these battles that are going on inside of us. And we need to, to, to be ready to let the gospel take root in our lives so that we can become victorious. We have to be committed to being honest with what is going on with our heart. Uh, the fourth one is we need to be able to preach the gospel to ourselves. This one is a challenge for me. It's funny because when we were leaving uh, Koinonia, when we were about to leave to go uh, be, be missionaries and start doing our training, uh, we went to our last staff meeting and, and Katrina was getting uh, some encouragement from some of the ladies. And then Pastor Andrews gave her a word of encouragement after that. And when he was done speaking to her, he turned around to me and he said, TJ, you have to be able to preach the gospel to yourself. The truth is Pastor Andrew was right because we faced many battles. We faced many internal challenges with the war zone that's going on inside of us. And we got to be people who understand that we got to know how to preach the gospel to ourselves. We got to know how to encourage ourselves. We got to know how to apply these biblical principles to our lives so that we can be victorious in Christ when we are dying to ourself. This conflict, this war zone is constant. It's daily. That's why in Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Self-denial looks different to each of us because we all have unique things going on. There's one thing that I constantly struggle with day in and day out, and it's screen time before I go to bed. It's when I'm really tired at night, and when I know that I've had a long day and I just want to sit down and rest, the, the battle that happens right before I go to sleep is am I going to spend time on my phone vegging out and scrolling through social media or anything I wanted to look up, watching YouTube videos, or am I actually going to do what I know I'm supposed to do, which is read. 
And it's not just scripture that I, that I enjoy reading, but I, I really like reading uh, books about people in the faith. I mean, I love to read about other missionaries who have done this type of lifestyle before me. I love to read about businessmen who, who are, are firm believers in Christ, who use their business to, to grow uh, and advance the kingdom of God. Man, I love just hearing stories about kingdom-minded people and learning what they went through. I believe that when we're, when we're reading those books, we actually get inside of their heads a little bit. And when they're victorious in Christ, we can see their self-denial. We can see some of the things that we went through. And we can actually pull those things out of those books and we can apply them to our life. And similar to the things that we do when we're learning about biblical principles, when we're reading scripture. Um, and one thing I'm doing right now is I'm currently reading a book called Dangerous Calling. Now, when you, when you hear that title, Dangerous Calling, you think about some missionary in Sri Lanka. He's in a bamboo forest preaching the gospel and he's barely eating but the truth is this book dangerous calling is actually about the unique challenges that we face as believers uh there's a quote in here for some context he's talking about the two uh competing kingdoms uh the way the world operates and the way god operates and here the author says by god's design we are worshipers worship isn't first an activity it's our identity that means everything you and I do is a product of worship. So the treasures that rule the thoughts and desires of your hearts will then control the things that we do. The war between these two kingdoms is not just a war for our behavior. It is a war for what rules our hearts. If we lose this war, we will never gain ground in the arena of words and actions. There's two conflicting kingdoms. There's the way the world operates and there's the way God operates. If we are not dying to ourselves, we are allowing uh, the, the ways of the world to rule our hearts instead of the kingdom seed that God has called us to allow to take root and to grow up inside of us. Self-denial looks different to each of us because we all have our different and unique situation going on. Which is your battle? Denying ourselves reveals our love for God and people. It's also an indicator of growth of a kingdom seed. And if we look into scripture for people who denied themselves, we can see that we are in good company. Just like I like reading books about people who have gone before us. Man, I love spending time in scripture because we get to read about characters that God put inside scripture to inspire, to encourage us, and to motivate us in our faith walk. Okay? And, and you can see actually through some of these stories that there are some people who actually had to use self-denial. They had to die to themselves because I guarantee that Abraham didn't want to take Isaac to the altar. You know, praise the Lord that there was a ram and, and that there, there was another way out. Uh, but I guarantee that as a father, he did not want to take his son to go and do that. Okay. Uh, Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne of Israel. So many perks, so many benefits, so many good things could have came if he would have just accepted that. But you know what he did? Out of his love for David, he he gave up what was rightfully his because of his love for a friend. Self-denial reveals our love for God and our love for people. It helps us put our attention on the character of God and not the problems and the situations, challenges, and trials that we're facing. We're actually putting our intentions on the Creator. We're putting our focus on the Creator. Have you ever asked something knowing you were going to be told no and then after you're told no, uh, you ask again. You know, I want to share with you a, a short story about a time I was in, in the airport. Now, uh, if you go to the airport and you're like me, you like to get there early, you don't want to miss a flight, you want to check in your bags, you want to go through baggage claim, you want to do all these things early so you can sit down and relax. 
Uh, me personally, I like to get there extra early because there's something that I really enjoy doing in airports. And I believe that airports is the perfect context for it. And that is watching people. Yes, I said it. I love to watch people. I love getting there early. I love getting some coffee. I like putting my feet up and I just enjoy people watching. I think it's a great pastime. When you're people watching in a context like the airport, you're experiencing a lot of different things going on. You have people rushing, you have people relaxing, you have people waiting at the gate, you have people getting their food. There's there's people that are all in one place that are all getting up to go into multiple cities, new places and different emotions, different anxieties. And, and you get to watch all of that. It's, it's people watching at its finest. And, and there's the parent who's traveling with four young kids by themselves. And there is, uh, there is the dad who, who doesn't want help with the luggage. He's just carrying it on. He's muscle man and he's really proud. He doesn't want to use the, the, the luggage cart. And you have the family taking up all of the, the, the compartment above or the, the, the carry-on. And then you have what is my favorite, and I've seen him multiple times, and it is the runner. The runner is the one who's running as fast as he can. He's, he's holding on to his backpack, and he's running to his gate because he's got to get there. And there was this one time where I was flying from China to Barcelona, and I was the runner. I had a layover flight in Shanghai, but my but my first flight was delayed. And so when I arrived in Shanghai, I, uh, I, I had 15 minutes to get from one side of the airport to the other. And this time I wasn't a runner. In fact, I had my skateboard on me. So I was the skater. And so I got out and I got into the airport and I just started skating as fast as I can, as fast as I can. And I'm skating through people. And in, in China, don't worry, you can skate in the airports. It's, it's not illegal, perfectly legal to do it there. Uh, and I'm getting to uh, the gate. And, and in the airports in China, you got to take a trolley from your gate to the airstrip. And that's where they let you get on the plane. And so when I get there, I see that my trolley is leaving and there's there's people on it. And I get up to the counter and I, hey, excuse me, excuse me, sir, is, is that my trolley? Can I, can I get on it? He looked at me and was like, no. It's too late, you missed your plan. I gathered my thoughts, I gathered my thoughts, and said, please, please, is there any way that I can get to that trolley? If you open up that gate, I swear to you, I can skate to that trolley as fast as I can, and I can get on that plane. He says, no, I changed my ticket, and six hours later, I was on a plane to Barcelona, and I was going for a ministry conference for a skateboard ministry. But I, but I remember asking twice, can I, can I get on the, can I get on the, the trolley? Can I, can I go, please? Can you, can you open the door? Can I skate there? No. Please. I can get there fast. Can I just go? No. There was, there was no other way I can do it. It reminds me of the story of, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to endure the cross. He, he brings some people to the garden. He, he has some people sit down, and, and then he gets, uh, I believe it's Peter and two other people, and, and they walk up and they go into the garden, and, and Jesus begins to pray. And during this prayer, you know that Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows the cross is coming. He knows the pain that's going to happen. He knows uh, that, that he is going to endure hardship. And so during his prayer, he says this, he says, Father, can you take this cup from me? In his prayer again, he says it a second time. He says, Father, can you take this cup from me? Knowing that Jesus was called to this, knowing Jesus had to follow through with this, knowing that this is the reason why he is on earth, Jesus says, let your will be done. He says, if you can't take this from me, let your will be done. 
Rather than meditating on the impossibility of the situation, Jesus meditated on the power and the character of God. When Jesus said, let your will be done, you can hear the spirit of self-denial in his words. Jesus was showing us what it is and what it means to die to ourselves. Matthew 10 verse 39 says, whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The call to self-denial teaches a satisfaction in God that cannot be matched. And it's important for us to take pleasure in Christ because it's so easy for us to find pleasure in other things. These stories are stories of hope. Abraham and Isaac, Jonathan and David, and of course, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. These, these, are, these are stories of hope. You see, when we're dealing with self-denial, it's probably because we, we, we are beginning to hear God's voice. He's beginning to speak to us. He's beginning to show us things uh, that we're doing right, things that we're doing wrong. Um, and, and the Lord speaks in, in a few different ways and ways that we can recognize his voice is that God's voice is always consistent with his word. Any message must agree with what has already been stated in scripture. Another one is that his voice is quiet. God often speaks to our hearts through his Holy Spirit in an inaudible but compelling way. You ever felt that nudge to just go do something and you knew that it lined up with scripture and you knew that it was God prompting and compelling you to go do it? Man, that is the voice of God. It's the Holy Spirit. He's moving you into action. Okay, another way that the Lord speaks, the Lord speaks clearly. If we tune our hearts to him, then we're going to know what God is speaking to us. And if we, if we eliminate the noise, you know noise is just sound. It's, it's actually a, a disruption. It's actually something that distracts us. That's noise. Man, we have noise everywhere, everywhere. TV, phones, apps, games, all these things. These things can be noise. And, and if we want to hear the Lord speak clearly, and if we want to hear his quiet voice, and if we want to find out, man, is this, is this what I'm hearing consistent with the word? We've got to get alone with God. We've got to get alone into a good, quiet place to drown out the noise so that we can hear his word. When God speaks, we often have two choices, to be disobedient and retreat or to accept and obey. And when we do these things, we find identity in Christ. The truth is there are four ways that identity in Christ changes things. The first thing is that we no longer chase after or desire our own flesh, but we seek after the glory of God. The Bible calls us not to be in love with the world or the things of it. The second thing is that we no longer fear our future. Romans 8, 14, verse 15 says, For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption. Okay? We don't need to fear the future. We have this peace from a sovereign God that gives us everything that we need and we have nothing to fear. Losing our job, losing finances, being rejected by the people group that we really, really want to be accepted by. We have this confidence that God is sovereign over every situation and every moment and he will equip us for what he called us to do. We don't need to fear. The, the, the third one is that we don't need to seek approval from others. You know, I've struggled with approval my, my whole life. It's exhausting. It's made me do things I don't want to do. It's made me say things I don't want to say. It's made me go places I don't want to go. But everything changes when we seek to please Christ. 
We don't have to say those things anymore. We don't have to go to those places anymore. We don't have to do those things anymore because doing those things and upkeeping them were exhausting and they're not what we're supposed to do. We don't need to seek approval of others. We just need to focus on bringing God glory through what we do and getting his approval. The last one is that suffering will produce things of eternal value. Uh, when we give things up, when we repent of our sin, when we commit to a lifestyle of living in self-denial, the opposite way, the, the, the more difficult way, a counterculture, when we do those things, sometimes it brings along those, uh, those stages of grief, uh, anxiety, loneliness, fear, all those things come along with self-denial. And if we're not applying biblical truth to our life, then we're going to have these challenges. But one thing I love is that suffering will produce eternal value. Even though it's hard, the suffering that we're going through is going to produce a good fruit. I was talking with Chad just a couple weeks ago, and I was sharing with Chad some of the hurdles that I'm going through and uh, some of the hurdles that my family have gone through since we've been serving uh, cross-culturally. And, and he's, he's just listening to me. And when I get done talking, he just says, TJ, God does not waste any knowledge. Everything that you're going through, you're going through for a reason and for a purpose. And God is going to show you in the future. And I believe God has a supernatural solution to my natural problem. And truth is, there's people out here that are listening to this right now, and you're going through hardships, and you're going through suffering, and you're going through trials. And I believe that there is also a supernatural solution to your natural problem. I believe that God is somewhere working behind the scenes right now in your life, and he's bringing things all together in his sovereign way that only he can do so that he can use your time of challenge so that he can use your time of suffering and your trial to bring out something good. Suffering produces things of eternal value. You see, the seed can't stay the seed if it wants to grow and, and bear fruit. It, it can no longer be the seed. It, it, it then becomes a plant or a tree, and, and the identity in it is, is no longer in the seed. Just like us, uh, when we become a believer in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, we're a new creation. And, and, and in that process of becoming holy, we have to give up some things and sometimes that takes some suffering. Romans 8 says, we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Just as Christ's suffering on the cross was not wasted, neither will ours be. Christ's sufferings defeated sin and we get to identify with him and reflect more of who he is. That is the kingdom seed. We are called to a deep faith and to be Christ's ambassadors as we bear fruit. We are able to be the face of Christ, the touch of his hand, the tone of his voice. We are called to make the invisible Christ visible in the lives of people who desperately need to know his presence and remember his grace. The kingdom seed turns anxiety into peace. Lusting people become pure. Fearful people become courageous. Demanding people become servants. Angry people become peacemakers. And confusion becomes clarity. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest in the garden. The kingdom seed is in us and the kingdom seed is something that we get to freely give others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this message. God, I thank you so much for the word uh, that you have put in, inside of me to share with Konania this morning. 
God, I pray that we can all be people who, who learn and understand uh, what it means to, to live in self-denial, to die to ourselves, and to die to the things that are, that are holding us back from going closer to you and bearing much fruit. God, I pray that we can be people who, who take root and grow roots in your word and community, God. And I love this church so much. I pray that this message was able to add value to their lives, and I pray that you use it, uh, God, to inspire and encourage them to grow deeper in the faith of God. We love you so much. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.